Hey, Lisa. How are you? Magic. Welcome to the Hippie Hut. Awesome. Great to be here. So, what are you bringing to the Hippie Hut for coaching? What's the story, Lisa? I guess the story is what what happens to Lisa next, you know? So coming out of a long corporate career, set up my own business and probably questioning my purpose in the world a little bit. Um, towards the end of my corporate career, started to feel like it was uh, that I was compromised, you know, in terms of some of the work that I was doing versus the rhetoric that existed. Uh, and I thought that working for myself and doing this work um, with a variety of different clients would serve my purpose in a better way. But you still come up against the same kind of level of compromise with the different companies that you're working with. So it's as to whether I can continue like that, because economically that's like a you know a good thing to do, um, or whether there's something different out there for me. And I don't know what that different is. You know, there's elements of, of what I do that I really love. And I wonder whether that can be turned into a different kind of calling. You mentioned at least once the concept of purpose. Mm. What's the, what is the purpose? To get fulfillment, I think, out of the work that I do, to feel content, to feel like I'm making a difference um to people the people around me you know i've got this this real desire to do something that makes an impact on people specifically because i think that's where i probably find my most that's where i get my most energy from is when i'm with when i'm around people and i feel like that i can listen to them and i can help them and i can help them navigate whatever they might be going through so when I think about my time, you know, in my corporate career, the bit that gave me the most energy was actually the advocacy for the people who were in the business. There was all the other stuff that you had to get on with and the strategy and the action plan, of course. But where I was most comfortable was when I was connecting people, when I was listening to people, when I was helping people, et cetera. Um, and I think bringing that more frequently is probably the thing that I think would probably give me more joy. Can you give me an example, a joyful example, if you will, joyful since you use the concept of joy? Yeah. So it's really funny. So one of the things that we did um, back in 2020 when George Floyd was murdered was we brought together our Black colleagues in the US. Nobody else was willing to have that conversation at the time. Nobody would step into it because it was seen as this political hot potato and, you know, we just wouldn't do it. But I put myself out there on Yammer, did a kind of a heartfelt post to say, look, you know, I'm here. I'm listening. Who wants to talk? And uh, one of my good friends that I spoke to about it, at, you know, at the company, he said, thank God you did that, you know, because no one else was willing to step in. And we brought, you know, about 10 black colleagues together and they felt heard and they felt seen. And that was the kind of the kickstart, I think, a catalyst for creating the employee network for, for um, you know, people of colour within the business. And knowing, I remember one woman in particular, some black South African, who said to me just as she was leaving the organisation, she said, you gave me purpose to carry on. 
she said I was in a really dark place and because you did what you did when no one else was willing to you will always be that shining light for me and that was massive you know I really really it stuck with me um, and even though I've left that business, I still catch up with some of those colleagues on a regular basis and we'll have a Teams call and just have a laugh and just check in. And so I'm still doing that, you know, that listening part, still doing it. Um, and as I say, that's the bit I think that gives me the most joy. What are you laughing at? I'm not. I was, I was actually waiting to see if there was anything else. Um, no, I don't think so. So if I was going to be an advocate for Lisa, who would I need to be? Uh, God, that's a difficult question. Never thought about anyone advocating for me before. Um... You are going to advocate for me. You're probably going to be somebody who listens. You're going to be somebody who um, challenges me, you know, makes me think differently, that actually holds me to account, I think, in terms of some of the things I say, some of the things that I do, um, and always kind of like helps me critically think. Um, and it's actually one of the reasons I do like talking to you because I think you're you're so different to the way that I'm wired. I think in terms of your thought processes, that you test me mm-hmm. in a good way. And I think it's really important that you've got people like that because it's so easy to get caught up in your own way of thinking that that doesn't do anybody any good. You've got to look at it it's from so many different angles. I think in order to be better. So I think that, you know, challenging me, saying something that's completely ridiculous and polar opposite to, to what I might think <laughs> um, is, is always a good way of getting the best out of me. I love that you've labelled it ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with that, by the way. I just think it's funny. So the something pinged out me, though. You talked about accountability. Is there something... Yeah, I mean, talk to me about accountability. What are you not holding yourself accountable for? Probably um, my judgment in the world, you know. Um, I try so hard to be as neutral as possible. Um, Really try my hardest in that sense because there is, I genuinely do believe there is no right in the world. Everything's like a complete construct, right? So, you know, we've been taught to like think in a certain way and behave in a certain way. And, you know, a lot of that's got to do with like my dad being a policeman and being brought up in this very kind of rule-based environment. Mm -hmm. But actually the world doesn't work like that. And I think you've just got to kind of, you know, navigate around it. But sometimes it's really hard not to be judgmental. You know, we're hardwired for it. So I will give myself a hard time if I step into judgment. Um, and I guess I'm probably doing that a lot more at the moment than than usual. Yeah. Stepping into judgment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, you mentioned that it's hardwired. So it's interesting to me that you would then say, 
that you would give yourself a hard time for something that you've told me is hardwired. Mm. So, so I'm, I mean, I definitely try to be kind to myself. So you know, you're constantly learning, I think, aren't you? Every day something will happen and you kind of, you learn from it. And I don't hang on to things. We're trying not to hang on to things. So I will always self-talk and kind of, you know, speak to myself about, you know, whether I think that I've done the best that I could, but I won't hang on to it for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are hardwired to judge for sure. So I know that it, you know, technically, you know, it can't be helped, but I think the whole point of inclusion is to, is to try harder. You know, I often laugh when people say, you know, you don't have to worry about inclusion or anything like that because, you know, why do we have to tell people to be kind to each other and nice to each other? Well, we do because, you know, we're pretty crap to one another in the world. So I think that everybody has to take their shot at being kind, at thinking about what they're doing, thinking about the circumstances that people, what they're going through right now. And um, I'm not always the best at doing that. So. Well, you're not always the best at being at being kind. Have I misunderstood what you said there? No, no. So, no, no I'm not always the best at staying out of judgment. Ah, yes. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So give me, can you give me an example of judgment, even if it's me? <laughs> <laughs> um, God, so I think that... Um, yeah. So basically, I think that at the moment, so you know that I'm also um, very recently single, and I find myself in a place where I, I'm judging more harshly than I maybe would normally. Um, and I don't know whether that's experience of, you know, like, you know, you know, much older now, and so it's different dating in your in your 40s compared to when you're in your 20s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you expect more um maybe you're clear on on what it is that you're looking for but I find myself really really judgmental at the moment and I have to like talk to myself quite a lot to say give this a chance find out a little bit more um so yeah I think that um yeah I think that's probably why I'm probably annoyed with myself is that I'm not being as open as I usually am so we, we maybe need a dating diversity and inclusion program. <laughs> do you know, I think we probably do, because it's the one thing that I keep on thinking about is that while you see these these apps and all the rest of it, yeah. it's so judgmental, isn't it? Like because you're just doing it completely on like first swipe, etc. And I try my best not to do that. I try and go into the profile and I try and figure out, you know, a little bit more of what's wired. And then if somebody asks to talk to me. I will always talk to them, irrespective of whether I think that there's a connection or a spark or anything like that. Because I thought, well, you're you're putting yourself out there, right? So if you're going to put yourself out there, be kind, um, and and let them down gently, you know, if you need to. But yeah, they are wired for like the worst of humanity, um, really. Um, so yeah, it, you know, you lose a little bit of faith in the human race, I think, a little bit with these things. So I, I'm, yeah, I, I agree personally, but I, I, what, I'm, what I'm hearing or, or seeing maybe, maybe I'm seeing it is you've sort of, you've sort of created this 
is it analogy or metaphor? It doesn't really matter. But the, this idea of society encapsulated in the dating app, like you're talking about inclusion and about being kinder, and yet our society is set up a bit like a dating app it's with systems and rules and processes that actually don't encourage kindness, that actually encourage judgment. Yeah. So if you were gonna if you were gonna flip it on its head, just take the dating scenario, right? Mm-hmm. And and tell me how would how would we make or how would you make how would Lisa bring that kindness to dating? I hear you that you're trying within the system. I, I get that. I get you're yeah. already trying. But if yeah. you were going to redesign it and flip it on its head, how would dating look? I don't think you'd have the swipe left and right. Yeah. Because um, that in itself is just wired for like unkindness. <laughs> it so is, isn't it? Jesus, you can be unkind to like five hundred people an hour or whatever. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I wouldn't have the swiping element. Um, and I think that it would just be a, it would almost be just like an open, an open site where you can just go and look at whoever you like, and you just decide rather than, and you you choose to engage at any point rather than having to make this kind of like yes or no or is there a match or anything like that you just engage in a dialogue it's just a little bit more human I think it's a little bit more kind um so yeah it's definitely the swiping part that I think that I would get rid of in dating apps I'm no expert on algorithms and dating apps but it strikes me that we've got a fundamental challenge there and it could be the same challenge out in the world and it's a numbers challenge Mm. like how do you deal with these things at scale because if you're if you're looking at I don't know Scotland and I don't know what the dating population is, let's say it's half a million. I have no idea, quarter of a million. Yeah. How do you take quarter of a million people and somehow organise that so that people end up in meaningful relationship? I think that you probably first of all don't look at through the lens of like your immediate population. Yeah. Again, because that's the thing is that you know. And it'll be based on your motivations, I guess, as to what you're looking for. But I'm probably a little bit out there in thinking that love comes from wherever, you know. So I think that you don't necessarily have to restrict yourself to a particular catchment area. Yeah, it comes with its challenges. And, you know, you might find that you've fallen in love with somebody who lives in New Zealand. Yeah. But I'm probably in that mindset where, well, maybe I've just fallen in love with somebody in New Zealand, and that's just, yeah. that's just the way that it is. So I think that not, not again restricting it. So I get the numbers will make you kind of like it's going to automatically start to broaden your your kind of horizons if you're, you know, restricting yourself to one particular geographic area. Um, but yeah, I would open up and not think about it in such kind of like closed terms. So is it is it geographical openness? Or is that so the the visual that keeps coming to me, and it's probably my own background and the fact we're in the hippie hut here, but <laughs> is it geographical openness or is it like free loving hippies back in the day? Like is it is it that vibe as well? Yeah, like, can you see that? Because I think that I mean this is not about my career at all, is it? But we've gone down this route. But um I think that there's quite a lot of conventional thinking when it comes to relationships. Um, and I know myself that, you know, I probably don't think in that kind of way. I'm, you know, I was married for a long time. 
But I think that everything's a spectrum. Everything is, you know, and I think that there there's no boundaries. And I think it just what it's whatever works for, for you and it's whatever works for your partner. I don't think that you necessarily um whether it's free loving hippies I'm thinking about. I'm not sure, I'm not sure whether it's that or not. But I think there just needs to be more openness and kindness and possibility rather than going down a particular certain route. And again, that might be age and experience that's done that to my thinking. I probably wouldn't, you know, when you're in your 20s, that's it. You're going to love somebody for the rest of your life and you're going to be together forever. But the reality is, is that life is messy and it's complex and things happen and all the rest of it that maybe can be kinder to yourself by not setting so many boundaries in your own head. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I, I found it interesting though, and I, I'm, I'm. Please don't feel I'm trying to catch you out here, but I just noticed something as you talked about the dating thing. There, you said something about your partner, which is enforcing a rule. I mean, anyone who's into polyamory, for example, is going to say partner, partners. So you, you naturally, and I, and like I said, I'm not trying to catch you out, but I just thought it was yeah. interesting. You, you impose the rule on dating, just in, in communicating. The concept to me yeah, interesting yeah i never picked up on that at all um and that probably wasn't my intention um because i think that you know there's the potential there that you know that you will get different things from different people you know it's feasible that you know you can have you know a truly deep emotional connection with someone um and find something else for somebody else at the same time you know so i think that um i think that using the singular probably wasn't my intention but it could be hardwired into the way that i think who knows it's it's probably societally hardwired into all of us to some degree but the different societies through the millennia i suspect have had different ways of handling it It, we just happen to live in the space and time we do i know you said (laughs) we've gone off down the dating route and we're not talking about your career well in my head we are still the meta here is still your career and what i'm wondering is if i turn it back over to you with the dating analogy, mm-hmm. how might that translate into your career? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely does in the sense that I like to talk to as many different people as I possibly can in the course of my career and help them and do it with the best of intentions and without judgment, you know? So I think that there will be people in, in life who have had you know what might be considered you know a difficult time or um you know have done something in the past that they might not be proud of or any of those sorts of things i think that i have the potential to help them in some sort of way um because i work so hard not to judge people's stories and you know i love the idea of compassion and actually not judging somebody by the thing that they've done and um, so I think it does, it, it could translate in some sort of way. Can I offer an observation? Yeah. Well, I wonder, so for example, you're talking about a potential career way forward. And one concept that popped in my head was speed dating, for example. Like, is there a way that you could test out multiple partners, for one of a better, as in, in terms of career options? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would that look like? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it's just what occurred to me. 
Mm-hmm. I guess so. For example, when there's this thing, isn't there? You'll have had this surely, but you're speaking to some young person and they're like, Oh, I need to get my exams because I need to go to uni to do X because then I'm going to do Y. <laughs> and I'm thinking, if only you knew. Yeah. Like, maybe, I mean, maybe, but maybe you're with the 90% of other people who are going to have so many different influences and people they meet and decisions yeah. and different decision trees and pathways. And just relax, youngster. Mm. Like, you, <laughs> there's just so many different ways this could go. Yeah. yeah so, no, I yeah, get what you mean. Gone. I think that having the business and having set that up, I feel a huge amount of freedom with that. I really do. Um, and, and I'm loving having that freedom. And I think that um, I'm not fixed on one particular thing. You know, as you say, is that, you know, things can change, you know, just like that. Um, so, yeah, no, it does give me more opportunities to go and try some stuff, I guess. What what is the business? Pitch it to me, because I I I'm not sure. Like I would love to be able to. I love referring people. I love introducing people. Like who do you, who would you want to be introduced to? Or are you already so busy that you couldn't possibly take on any more work for the next two years? In which case, don't bother pitching me. But genuinely, I'd love to know who you serve and how you serve them. Like what yeah. what is this? So. Um, so I do have enough work to keep me going for the next two years because I've gone and kind of gone down a route of supporting one particular client for three days a week, and and that's great. Mm-hmm. But if I'm being completely honest, it's not it's not filling me with the feels, you know. It's, it's mm-hmm. a means to an end for for economic reasons. <laughs> but the business, you know, essentially is a consultancy to help organisations create the best work environment for the people who are in it. But I think it's, you know, and this is not a pitch. This is me like putting you off it probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a new type of pitch. I love yeah, it. I love, there you go. I love it. Stick in your head. Yeah. It, it's flawed in the sense that um, if I'm really honest with myself, I want to get into organizations to help the employees, not mm. the management. Mm. That's that's where I get my most joy is from being with the employees. So that doesn't put me off. You know, I'm a bit of a George Galloway social, old school socialist in some ways. I love it. I love the idea yeah. that you're there to help the employees. Fuck yeah. the managers. <laughs> it's not really a good commercial model, though, is it? <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that's the thing is that, you know, deep down, it's, you know, how do you take that? You've got to be in an organization to help affect the change, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm in there doing, the dirty work, if you like, then there's an opportunity still to make an impact and leave an impression and a legacy on the people that probably matter to me the most. So, okay. I still haven't quite got a handle on it. If I was going to introduce you to someone, who would it be? Is it the owner of the business? Or is it the VP of HR? I know you're already busy, but you, you take my point. Yeah, like, so who, it would be the owner of the business. Um, yeah. Or, or it would be in a bigger organisation. It would likely be the the the, the VP for HR, etc. But I don't think the work that I do is an HR issue personally. I think it's it's a it's a business wide issue. So I think I'm more inclined to work with the owner than I am, or the CEO rather than the. And I think that's where where a lot of this work fails. You know, when you're trying to affect culture change, it's a business wide. It's systemic. It's not it's not an HR thing. And that's why many organizations actually can fail at it because they don't treat it as a whole system problem. So you are fixing a system. 
fixing a system and fixing behaviour or attempting to. I think you're more you're more likely to impact a culture change if you fix the system. Yeah. But at the same time, you've definitely got to work on the behaviour and the mindset of the people that are running the system. So if the current system is a little bit swipe left, swipe right, judgmental, mm. play with that metaphor. Yeah. What is the system that Lisa brings in shorthand? Because we've got swipe left, swipe right is current culture. What are we switching it to? Polyamory. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, polyamory is particularly hard to pull off, though. Interesting. There's a there's a podcast I love, which you might enjoy. I don't know. Aubrey Marcus. Have you heard of Aubrey Marcus? Mm-hmm. So Aubrey has at least one, but a phenomenally successful business. But he's also got a great podcast, and he's really into plant medicine, which is my current uh, one of my current fascinations. And he he very openly tried polyamory, him and his partner, over the last few years. He he doesn't practice it anymore. And he speaks very honestly and openly about it. And it's fascinating because mm. people are so judgmental about it because we live in the society we live in. And there's this assumption that marriage is for life and you mustn't have any other model. And yeah, to, I've kind of followed him over a few years and heard him talk about it. And now he he basically says, he like he doesn't judge anyone for trying it. He tried it. Him and his partners tried it for a few years. And he just said, with all the personal development and all the effort and all the, he was like, in the end, I, I just couldn't handle it. Like he, he said, I couldn't handle the kind of the jealousies and the complexities of it. And he was saying, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, there were huge elements of fun and enjoyment and fulfillment, but in the end, like not for me. And so I found that fascinating because probably, probably quite a few people will secretly admit that they quite like the idea of having multiple partners, but then the realities of it. I suspect from his, I, I personally haven't actually tried that, so I don't know, but he he certainly was saying that the realities of it were super tough. So I guess if we take that back to the the business scenario, which is what mm. we're talking about, mm. is, I feel a challenging question coming on, is, is what you're offering, the whole diversity and inclusion thing, sounds kind of sexy like polyamory, but is it actually not achievable because of human nature? Um, I think if you're looking at it from a behavioural change perspective, no, it's not possible. It's not possible because there's no way that every human on this planet has got the capacity to change. Not not many people, no, sorry, I'll, I'll rephrase that. We all have the capacity to change. Many of us choose not to. Mm. Many of us choose not to want to learn, to grow, etc. We're quite comfortable where we're at. So behaviorally i don't think it's possible to to change the world don't think that's possible but systemically i think you can make as much impact through your policies your processes your systems etc in order to so very very rules-based actually you know Mm -hmm. to prevent it from from kind of going down a different route so yeah that would be my my answer to that so is that where you get your satisfaction the system's part of it. Yeah, because that's no. what you just told me is the most effective. No, it is the most effective. And that's why, again, my model's probably <laughs> screwed, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's a means to an end, right? So, so I think that everything's a choice. Everything that you do is a choice that you make and you know, you're comfortable with it. 
I know that where you can make the biggest impact is from a systems perspective. But at the same time, my side hustle is the behavioral kind of like being with people, treating them with compassion, learning about them. And I grow as a result of that. I become a better human because of the interactions I have with all these different people. Um, so it's a means to an end. Okay, well, with permission, can I, I is it a suggestion? I'll just blurt it out. Mm. Well, might there be an opportunity here for part of your business to have somebody else that does the systems stuff that you don't get as much fulfillment from and you do the thing you love? Uh, I think, yeah, maybe longer term. I, I definitely think that that could happen. Um, do you know what? I'm not sure I'm ready to actually manage anyone ever again. That's the other thing is I like being my own person. I quite like to not have to think about anybody else because <laughs> it's quite it's quite full on, isn't it? And I think maybe that's just where I've been. You know, last year was a tough year. I was ill, all those sorts of things. And so I've been so focused on myself um, and being quite selfish with it, I think, um, that um, maybe I'm just not quite ready to share that with anybody just yet. But I think it's definitely a, it could be part of my business plan. So is um, society and the working world not in a particularly bad condition then? If it can wait for you to be ready to feel quite up to it. Yeah, I think that you've got to, I've got to be in the right place. Because if I'm not bringing my best, then I'm not going to make the impact that I'm hoping to achieve. Um, But I hear what you're saying. No, society is completely messed up and it needs action right now um but i also think that if i'm not in the right headspace um then i'm not going to make as big an impact as i'd like to so i'm giving the best that i can right now i like how you didn't rise to the bait there (laughs) you stayed very calm were you baiting me what's that sorry i said you were baiting me i didn't know well I think you did, surely. <laughs> no, I mean, in a way, I, yeah, I'm being intentionally provocative because it's sort of like, I don't know, the first example that pops in my head is not going to be the right one, but I'll say it anyway. It's like sort of like Jesus going, well, do you know what? Uh, rather take this cup from me. I'm, I don't want to be crucified the new. I'll, I'll leave it a couple more years. I'm not really ready for that. It's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. Now, according to the Bible, I'm not a massive biblical scholar, but I seem to remember him saying that according to the bible he actually did say father take yeah. this cup from me as in i don't want to do this but then he went and did it anyway so i get what you're saying i think that um so the part around you know expanding the business taking someone else to do that yeah i can see that happening but i'm also in the, at the same time i do do other stuff outside of the business that's like pro bono just to give me joy you know so I, I I run like a I call it a lay down your heart circle where I've got like you know six six women who come along every six weeks and we essentially peer coach one another it's a learning circle and that's got nothing to do with the business at all I mean it's grounded in kind of like the joy that I have but that's non-commercial and 
that's me giving myself over to these people. And that works for me. How does it how does it work for them? They love it. Because, you know, they've got a trusted group of women who they can share things with, you know, they each come with a particular challenge they might be having at any given time. And then they they get to hear, you know, four or five different perspectives in terms of how they would particularly handle that channel. And, you know, they just say thank you for the feedback and move on. And then the next time we get together, we hold each other to account in terms of, so what did you do with that? You know, what's changed? What's different? So I think they get a lot out of it. I love the sound of that, personally. Uh, am I allowed to come or is it only for women? It's really funny. So when I first started it, um, I made it completely open to everybody. And mm-hmm. I had two guys who um, signed up and asked to come along, but none of them showed up. Um, so I kept on inviting them, saying, look, mm-hmm. you know, here's the next one, here's the next one. Still didn't show up. And eventually we got to a space where um, because the other women had established this bond, they felt like it wouldn't be appropriate for these two guys just to show up again. So mm-hmm. my intention is to start up another one that's just a little bit more of a mix. Because, I, I mean, I'm obviously taking the mix if I say it doesn't sound very inclusive. <laughs> it's all ladies. <laughs> but that's the thing. So I was bucking the trend because it came from, um, it's grounded in the lean-in circles, you know, yeah. in terms of that work. And it's all about empowering women all the rest of it and uh, that's not really my it's not really my thing um I I don't necessarily believe in that I do believe in empowerment but I don't think that women sitting together can fix the world I think you have to it has to be a joint effort with everybody else um so that's why I did make it fully inclusive and said anybody can join it um but yeah it, it just didn't work out like that um and for the most part you don't see very many of them being fully inclusive most of them are just women-only events, but I, I don't think that's healthy. It's working, you know, the one that we've got, it's, it's working really nicely, but I would like to have another one that's not about female advancement or anything like that, that's just more about learning from one another and chatting. And you know what, you know, that's a little bit like, you know, the, the brunch idea that Dion came up with. I love that idea because that's, you know, a bunch of strangers getting together and talking crap for a while. Um, it's the same kind of idea, I think. So if we could wave a magic wand, Mm. what would you want, Lisa? Um, I think that I would like to be working with organisations that are maybe just not so corporate. But I think that there's something that I've got to do for the first couple of years to get the business up and running and kind of get that kind of solid foundation commercially but then perhaps I'd like to work with smaller companies you know those that can't really afford me I suppose (laughs) you know that are not for profit or are actually doing some goodness in the world um that I could help them a little bit more rather than looking for you know PLCs. That was fascinating. What? Some goodness in the world rather than PLCs. Wow. <laughs> there are some good PLCs, aren't there? Patagonia. I'll have to go and work for Patagonia. That'll that'll serve me well. Well it was the it was the judgment in the 
Uh, by the way, I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just saying it was the judgment of what yeah. you said was yeah, yeah, striking. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Brutal. Uh, are we saying, are we saying, or you saying, that it becomes extremely difficult to still do good at scale? Is that what I'm hearing? Because I'm because I'm not sure that the people really change. It's not like suddenly people become evil when you hit 250 employees. So what? Yeah, what are we saying? Are we saying that scale makes it very hard to be kind? Is is that what we're we saying? Yeah, I think that scale and shareholders make it hard to be kind. You know, I think that inevitably you're running a for-profit business, you've got stakeholders that you have to keep passionate, you've got dividends you've got to pay. So inevitably you're playing a game the whole time, aren't you, in order to, to kind of like grow your business and increase the margins. I think then that can cloud, for the most part, boards and executive teams in terms of what the right thing to do is. Mm-hmm. But I, and maybe this is where, you know, you could call it naivety, you could call it optimism, but I still think that you can treat people with kindness and compassion in a big organisation, a 60,000 organisation, just by being open, by being honest um, and treating people decently. But sadly, that that, that just doesn't happen in big organisations. Maybe it doesn't happen in small organisations. They have their, their, their issues too. And that's when it comes down to Leadership, I think, compassionate leadership. I think that if you know people tried a little bit harder to be the best version of themselves every day, I think that yeah, things would be a bit better. So, if you were going to be a compassionate leader to Lisa, mm. do you what would you do differently? Um, I would tell her that. She's doing the best that she can um, and that um, every day is just going to get better and to stick with it. Um, to stick with it. She's already doing the best that she can. Uh, no, she's not doing the best that she can, um, but she will do the best that she can. She'll keep trying to do the best that she can and she won't give herself a hard time if one day's worse than the next. So stick with it, Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'd say. Well, I'm going to say that we should round up our call there because stick with it Lisa Mm. yeah good advice be kind stick with it be kind to Lisa Lisa yeah that's it I look forward to the LinkedIn post that's all about (laughs) polyamory yeah I've got I've got um one of the people that I'm doing work for at the moment is kind of doing associate work for, and I was telling her what I was up to. And she said, never, ever blog about that, ever. I was like, okay, good advice. Thanks very much. <laughs> what, you mean about polyamory? 
No, no about dating. Stuff. To write a, I'm desperate to write a blog about the swipe culture because I find it really, really interesting. I think it's totally in the inclusion space. Yeah, but no one's ready to read that one yet. So here's, okay, well, lovely. So I'd say this is our end point. And when I'm working in a coach mode, I will sometimes suggest actions and people can either take the action or they can negotiate the action or they can just say, no, of course, it's their life, not my life. I'm going to ask you to write that post, not to publish it. I'm going to ask you to write it and send it to me and let's bounce it back and forward and have a bit of fun with it and see if it might end up being something that you want to write. Because as Anne Lamott, the novelist, says, everyone needs a shitty first draft. And mm-hmm. it's the same with anything. So it might at the moment feel too toxic or too challenging or too something. Yeah. Maybe there's something there because it's kind of fun. And everyone's fascinated by sex, even if they don't talk about it. Yeah. Because we still live in a relatively buttoned up culture in some ways. Are you up for that? At yeah. least test. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's there's elements already in in my journal, right? So yeah. it's it's not like I haven't written about it. It's just it's not really for public consumption. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm up for that. I'll um I'll put it more in the frame of kind of the inclusion lens, I think, and then uh, yeah, we'll bounce it around and see what you think. Now, how am I how am I doing that? Can I send that to you via? I can send a PDF or a Word document and um, what's it called? Can't I? On LinkedIn, yeah, or you can send it as a WhatsApp. I'll, I'll offline. I'll give you my WhatsApp, and you can just send you can send PDFs and Word documents that way as well. So WhatsApp probably easiest for me, honestly. I emails are just so tedious. They're other people's to do lists often, whereas I find WhatsApp limits content duration. I often get people to actually literally write posts and articles and send them, not even as a document, just in a WhatsApp message because okay. it naturally starts to help people edit and and get more concise with their thinking yeah 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 so yeah i'll I'll give you my whatsapp and we can can do it that way cool and uh in terms of this um do you do you edit it at all or is it literally this is there's an end point was the be kind etc do i get to see it to decide whether i'm cool with it being out there or not it wouldn't be a see it because it's going to be an audio only podcast okay got you so it's audio so it'll be available on spotify itunes etc um yeah of course i want to know if you're up for it potentially being part of the series or not you don't have to tell me this second you can have a think about it if you want i i wouldn't i wouldn't suggest that i'll be doing any major edits the only edit i would tend to do if you drop the n-word or something you know i'd edit that out lisa i know what you diversity and inclusion people like (laughs) no seriously though if if someone said to me, oh, you know that story I told about my ex-husband, can you edit that out? Then, of course, I would. Like, I'm not going to try and get someone in trouble for something yeah. on this podcast. Um, or if there were an unbelievable number of ums and errs, I might try and help someone out in terms of yeah, if there was, yeah, a, totally. was super funky, I might give them a hand by editing some of them out. But I wouldn't. I would tend not to want to edit, partly for time reasons and partly because it doesn't really represent what happened no, no, you want it's, the authentic kind of like flow of the conversation for sure yeah i'm just the one thing that is on my mind is like you know essentially just publicly come out and told everybody that i'm single and not many people know that yet <laughs> that could get you a rush of dating inquiries though it could be magic could could be the best thing for i don't have to do on on an app yeah exactly yeah, we're good. Well, it's a lot more. It's a lot more organic than the app. It's more. It's closer to your scenario of yeah, everyone being exactly. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's a good idea. I'll think about that. <laughs> cool. Anyway, I'll I'll wrap it up there then. Thanks, Liz. Any feedback for me just in terms of the actual coaching? I'm also happy to hear that side of things. You can either say that to me right now or you can write any thoughts or feedback later on. Completely up to you. Uh, well, no, immediate feedback was I really enjoyed the experience. Um, I like that you asked me a couple of provocative questions. Um, I love how you just sit back and don't say anything and just wait for me to speak. I know total coaching technique, but um, it always <laughs> um, So it did, did its work. Cool. Thanks, Lisa. I will Take end care. the call there. I'll, I'll ping you my WhatsApp via LinkedIn or something. Okay, cool. All right. Then. Brilliant. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye.